Hi there, Mr. Shapiro. How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? Uh, Sukkis did you well? Good. Joyful. So, here, you know, uh, I usually wouldn't start a class this, uh, this fast after the holiday, but uh, there's two reasons, and I want to share with you why I wanted to start this class tonight. I gave a Parsha class the past year, and I called it the Parsha Powwow, no specific uh, details. But this year, I decided to call it Love Our Neighbor. And the goal is, in every week's Torah portion, there's, there's many lessons that we can glean as to how to be better people uh, in our relationships. And all the relationships that we have with family and friends and neighbors and, and, and the workplace... And there's a story that there was once a missionary that went over to a young Jewish man, and he uh, kind of was good at what he did. And he said to the Jewish man, uh, who was kind of trusting, he said, you know, uh, you know, what does it say in your Torah? He says, well, we have the Ten Commandments. And he started listing the Ten Commandments, don't murder, don't steal, all these things. And um, what happened was the, uh, the, the Jew uh, said to the, to the missionary, you know, you're right. This, these Ten Commandments were written for, for a bunch of mafia men. You know, you don't have to tell uh, regular good citizens they don't have to kill and steal. You're right. So the missionary said, would you like to convert to Christianity? He said, well, what does it say there? He's like, well, and the... In our books, it says, love thy neighbor. So he goes to the rabbi. He said, you know, I met this missionary. It sounds like Christianity is better than Judaism. So the rabbi says, what does it say? In uh, What did he tell you that Christianity professes? He says, well, it says in Christianity that love thy neighbor. The rabbi said, I got news for you. Mr. Shapiro, you know what the news he had for him was? No. That love thy neighbor comes from the Jews, right? It comes from the Torah, the time. right? It's not something yes. that, that that we didn't have. Um, so uh, so that's uh, so that's uh, why I, I wanted every week that so, so sometimes we could um, we could forget the fact that the Torah, besides all the stories and and the laws. Uh, there actually is, uh, we, we profess very much to love thy neighbor. So let's start. And this week's Parsha is absolutely jammed with, uh, with things to learn, I think, for our, our, uh, our everyday life. Um, first one is, it says, when God created man on the sixth day, it says that he created him in the image of... Mr. Shapiro, do you know, in, in the image of? Hashem, Hashem. Right, right. God says he created us in his image. Now, there's a fascinating Talmud, and in, in the Jerusalem Talmud, it says the famous line from Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva says that, to love your neighbor as yourself is a very great idea in the Torah, right? That's famous. But what's not as famous is another rabbi named Ben-Azai said 
that there's an even greater role in the Torah. And that is what Mr. Shapiro just said, that the even greater thing in the Torah is the fact that we are created in the image of God. So everyone asks, how could there be a greater statement than to love thy neighbor as yourself? So I saw an amazing idea, and I forgot who says it, but that if a person tries to just be a good person and to love people without anything of substance behind it, just I love you because I love you. In a lot of people's clay cases, people often can act unlovable. All of us have parts of us that are not so lovable. We have parts of us that are very lovable. We also sometimes can do things that are very unimpressive. And therefore, if we just try to love people, some, at a certain point, we're going to start running into walls and finding it very difficult to love people. What the Torah says is, you know why you should love people? Yes, try to love people just because. But you'll have a much easier time loving people if you realize how incredible they are. Yes, you're an amazing person if you can love someone, even if you don't think they're incredible. But what the Torah and Benazai is coming to tell us, that, you know, each and every human being to ever cross this planet was created in the image of God. And that means that they're really, really important. And people that are important and that you value are... Um, are, are it's much easier to uh, to love them. So this begs the next question. The Chavetz Chaim, the famous Chavetz Chaim, who loved everyone, he wrote a book called Loving Kindness. And he asked this question. We all, I think it's kind of famous that, we're that we are created in the image of God. But what in the world does that mean? We know that God doesn't have a body. God, God doesn't, doesn't have any limitations like we do. So what is that supposed to mean that Naftali Karp and Alan Shapiro and everyone else out there um, is in the image of God? God doesn't have an image. Because an image is a limitation of something, right? If I send you an image, I'm sending you a much smaller piece of something bigger. So the Chavetz Chaim says, and there's numerous explanations, but because I want to focus on things that help us treat other people's properly, I wanted to bring out this one. The Chavetz Chaim in the book Loving Kindness says, the fact that human beings exclusively have the ability to do kindness. Now, you may have seen a dolphin help someone or a dog help someone, but they, I'm, I'm not an expert zoologist, but we make moral decisions. When I'm kind to you, I've made a moral choice. Sometimes animals can do something that is a kind act, but it doesn't make it kind. The same way a shark is not a mean shark if it acts like a shark, right? Certain animals are created in certain natural tendencies that you can develop the natural tendencies. But human beings, we are, we are created in the image of the God that we can choose to be kind the same way that God chooses to be kind. 
And um, in, fa in fact, this, this is so much the salient feature of our existence on this world, the purpose of being here in the, in the book of Jewish law, the book which classically has in it the laws of keeping kosher and the like, in the book called Yoredeya and Shulchan Aruch. It said, we all know, we just came off the holiday of celebrating the Torah. We all know how great Torah is. But it, Shulchan Aruch says, if there is a kindness that has to take place, and you are studying Torah, and that kindness will not happen without you. So you have to choose between the kindness happening or Torah happening. What comes first? The kindness. Torah. The kindness. If it's not going to happen without you, then you got to help the person out. Now, you know that intuitively, Mr. Shapiro. I know that because you're a really kind fellow. And you've also been married for a, a few years. Yep. And you know that if, if there's kindness needed in the family, there's really often no one else to do it except for, the, except for you. Right? Right. So we see that, that as great as Torah is, and Torah is really great, a person uh, needs to realize that uh, kindness is, needs, if, if, if you, kindness needs to be done and you're the person to do it, you've got to stop and do it. Now, there's an interesting story that um, the uh, it's a little bit of famous story, a little bit of funny story, but the famous the uh, one of the, uh, the the founders, the the original fathers of the Salavich, famous rabbinical Salavichik family, the Beis Salavi, a woman comes to his hem before Pesach night, and she says, Rabbi. Can I, for the four cups of wine, can I use four cups of milk? So the rabbi thinks for a second, and he says, sure. And then he pulls out of his pocket, and he says, you know what? Here's money for some wine. And he gives her a lot of money, much more money than she would need to buy the, the wine. The woman leaves, the students come, they say, Rabbi, why'd you give her so much money to buy wine? He said, students, how could any fine observant woman ask for milk if she has money for meat? She must not be able to afford meat either if she's having milk. So therefore, I realize she must not have, have meat either. So what did the rabbi do? The rabbi thought about it. The rabbi thinks. A lot of times to do kindness, you need to think. You need to be discerning. and Because people a lot of times, you know, very often people are embarrassed to ask. They're ashamed to ask. And a lot of the kindness that you can do is if you can think about and understand what a person needs without them having to ask. The, um, the Sefer Ale Shor says that part of being kind is smiling and saying kind words. You don't need money to be kind. kind of course, you could do a lot of kindness with money. But no one, the person does not need to be kind 
need to have money to be to to do kindness. Let, let's move on. The Torah says that uh, when when discussing creating man, it says that man became a nefesh chaya, a living soul. What's a living soul? Ever hear of a dead soul? What's a living soul? So the Chavetz Chaim again quotes the famous commentary Onkelos, the translator, who says that the salient feature of being a living soul, a human being, is the ability to speak. The, 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 the main feature of the human, human condition is the fact that we, we are able to we have speech. And, and yes, animals can communicate. They can maybe even mimic certain things, but they don't have speech the way we do. And um, the Chavetz Chaim says that that is what elevates us above the animals. But if a person takes their speech and uses it for unworthy things, for bad things, to hurt people, to say gossip, then we become lower than animals. Why? Because you never heard a rabbit say Lashon Hara, right? Animals don't say, don't say gossip things. They don't say mean things. So we have to be careful. The thing that makes us so special, our speech, we can't, uh, we can't give that up. We have to treat it very, very carefully. So we continue along, and we know the famous, uh, so God created Adam. And it says that God put Adam to sleep and created Eve, created Chava from, from Adam. Different opinions, exactly what took place over there. But either way, the Torah says that Adam went to sleep. So what was Adam's first interaction with his wife? He was asleep. So the Amalowi is close to Torah Yitzchak and says a comical but very fascinating insight. He says, and this applies equally to men and to women. It just happens to be the place that we're bringing it out from was, was this story. Sometimes if your spouse or your friend or your colleague does something wrong or annoying, you know what you got to do? You got to pretend like you're asleep. And ignore it. And that was the first message that God wanted to teach us. He said, Adam, until now you were alone. And now you're going to have another human being there. Sometimes you got to pretend like you're asleep. Same way when you're asleep, things don't annoy you. And, and you don't notice things. That is very integral in relationships. The ability to ignore and the ability to... Um, to uh, to uh, to let things go. Now I I'm gonna embarrass myself a little bit, but see before I was married, I I lived in dormitories. You know, I was in college and yeshiva college, everybody. And one of the things I was well known for was that if there was someone who needed a roommate, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind. I was the kind of person that the staff knew you could put them with Naftali. So I kind of prided myself 
I, I'm, a, I'm a relaxed guy. I'm a calm guy. But then I got married. And then I had children. And I had 24-7 responsibilities. And I'm not saying I'm a hothead. But I sometimes was, you know, I got a little stressed out. A little, little not so calm. And I realized, and this, the label, yo, the famous label, yo, Papian shares this, that we should not delude ourselves and think that we've mastered the ability to be patient and calm just because we're not being provoked. The person constantly, now I'm not saying a person should ask for tests, but a person doesn't know their true colors until they're tested. And that's really when you grow. And that's one of the ideas of, 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 of being a part of a community and having a family and having relationships with people that it really is the greatest opportunity for a person to grow. So it says that when Adam and Eve were together, it says that they were they were for one flesh. Rabban says, Nachmadi says, that this experience of marriage is a uniquely human experience. And what does that mean? We know the world, our mates out there. He says, well, when a, two humans um, enter into a marriage, they are connecting on a physical and a spiritual level. And this is perhaps one of the greatest gifts that Judaism teaches the world, which I don't believe in today's day and age is necessarily so well known. When you get married, you're not just marrying the physical person that you see. In fact, there is a much more important part that you will be with for eternity. A person, when they choose who to be married to, they are choosing not just a this life partner, they're choosing an eternity partner. And also, sometimes I meet, I, I talk with young people and they're deciding who they should marry. And unfortunately, what they've seen in Hollywood and other places about what the criteria should be in, for a good life partner, they have no idea. Because the, what, they're, what they're looking for is if just it was just for a partner for your 70, 80, 90, 100 years in this world. But we know, we know from the Torah, from this week's Parsha, that when you're picking a life mate, it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a mate for life and for the afterlife as well so that is a a uh, when a person has that attitude about it obviously and it's the most intense form is in marriage but really any interaction we have with any human being there's a physical and a spiritual component and you, you you see this throughout. If you look the way the uh, the, uh, the 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 sages describe the holiness and the respect that marriage is predicated on, it's really a far cry from anything that that we see we see that we really know from from just uh, what's on the street. So we, it's really important to take a look at the parsha and see. There's a lot of discussion. What um, I'll tell you a few famous stories. The famous Rabbi Yisrael Salanter, great, uh, he was known for his tremendous kindness and thoughtfulness. So when he first got married, his teacher, Rabbi Amsterdam, came over to him and he said, Rabbi, you know, Rabbi Yisrael, 
I know you got married. Do you do chesed? Do you do kindness? And he said, you know, Rebbe, I just got married. I'm kind of busy. I don't have money. I can't do chesed. His Rebbe said, I thought you're married. If you're married, the number one person you're supposed to be doing kindness with is who? Your wife. So if a person says, oh, I have a family, I have a wife, I have kids, you have tremendous opportunity to do kindness. You don't have to, yes, there's kindness anywhere you look, but certainly the Torah teaches us that uh, kindness, now kindness starts at home doesn't only mean one's, uh, one's uh, biological family. It means the people who a person is closest to, you have, your, you, you have the number one obligation, your community. I have this all the time. Thank God I've had the privilege of raising money in, uh, in our community here for a very long time. Almost 20 years. Sorry. Well, throat lozenge. And sometimes, unfortunately, and I can't judge anyone in particular, but sometimes it seems like there are people who have a hard time giving to the people they're close to, and they find it easier to give money to, to a global cause, when really it's the opposite. A person's number one obligation is not very glorious. It's to your friends and close family. Famous story, kind of infamous. The first sibling rivalry did not end very well. First sibling rivalry, Adam and Eve had two sons, Cain and Abel. Unfortunately, um, we got a little disagreement, and Cain killed Abel. God finds, finds Cain and says, you know, Where's your brother? Your brother's blood is crying. Rashi says, Rashi brings the Medrash and says that Cain, because he killed his brother, is now responsible for all the future good descendants that Abel would have had. And the Chavetz Chaim points out from here that we have to realize the contrary is true as well, because we say good is always greater than evil. Contrary to what the world sometimes can look like, God made the world the power of good as transformers. I watched transformers as a kid. The power of good is always greater than evil. And if I influence, and instead of killing someone, I help someone to be a better person, to become a better person in their character. I help them become a more committed Jew. A person takes life more seriously. And then they, in turn, train their children to take life more seriously. But the Chavetz Chaim says, from here we see that, that, that how incredible that is. And in fact, the Rabbeinu Bechaya and the Chavos Havavos, the famous duties of the heart, says a fascinating parable to teach us how important it is not just to do kindness with people's bodies, but to do kindness to help people become better people. He gives the analogy, you had two people who went to the market. One guy goes to the market and he buys something for $10. 
He buys, I don't know, let's say a rug for $10. He goes to the next market and he sells it for nine times what he bought it for. He's a good businessman, right? He bought it for 10, sells it for 90. Good businessman. Well, his friend goes and he takes $5,000 and he buys many, many, many rugs also for $10. But he only manages to sell them for double the price. But when you double something times 5000 that's a lot more money. So yes, his friend was able to do a profit nine times of what he spent. But the friend, he had a, a, a multiplier of 5000 Says Rebbe if our whole life we spend just making ourselves into better people, even for good things, better Jew, a kinder person, but you don't take the opportunities that you have to help other people become better people, then you're like the guy who just invested in one investment. Okay, maybe you did really good on your, your maybe you'll, you'll be fantastic at what you do, but you didn't influence anybody else. So all you did, at the end of the day, you're going to have a lot less. So a, a, a a crucial part of being kind is, and this is something that I spend my life doing, and that Jews, this is very crucial. Imagine if you had a parent. Mr. Shapiro, you can imagine this. You have, I know one of your kids. You did a good job, right? So imagine you meet a parent who only cares about their child's physical needs. They don't care what kind of person they are. Can you imagine such a thing? You're, ne you're, you're never going to find a parent. You're not even going to find a mafia parent like that. No parent only cares about their child's physical needs. Even if you're not, you're not religious, you care about what kind of person your child's going to be. So that applies to kindness also. There's nothing more callous than me only caring about your soul, about your body and not caring about you. And it doesn't mean I should walk around proselytizing and preaching and coercing and being judgmental. No. It means if I have an opportunity where I honestly feel I can impact you and help you and you'll appreciate it, then I need to take that effort on. I can't say, oh, I'm busy taking care of myself. One last idea. And we'll do a quick wrap, wrap up. So there was a man who really is not that famous, but he was one of the all-time greats. His name was Hanoch. And he lived after he lived between Adam and Noah, because the end of this week's Torah portion it, it kind of goes through all the different, you know. Um, and it says that so the Medrash says. And this man, Hanoch, was a shoemaker. And he was a shoemaker that had lofty thoughts. Does that make him an all-time great? Well, listen what Rabbi Yisrael Slanter has to say about this, this shoemaker. He says that this shoemaker, his lofty thoughts were not mystical thoughts. They were, how can I make sure I make the best product? 
so I don't cheat anybody. So people have comfortable shoes to wear. He looked at what he did, his job. No, it wasn't a rabbi. And no, it wasn't in charge of the, of, the, uh, of the kindness organization. But he looked at his job. That was, he, he used it as a way to serve people. And, and this shows us a very important thing. That from God's perspective, there's nothing that can't be elevated to a holy purpose. You would think a shoemaker, what kind of, uh, you know, holiness is that? Here you have one of the all-time greats was considered a, a, a person of lofty thought because he used his, 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 um, his occupation. He, he channeled it for kindness. So there's a story with one of the Rebbe's, Rabbi Yitzhak of Vorka. He was in an inn, and the inn was a very, the, the um, the, inn, the head of the inn was a very gracious host, very kind and warm and sense, thoughtful. And the, and the great rabbi said, wow, this is such a great um, innkeeper. And someone else there, a little cynical, said, you know, he's getting paid good money for it. He, he's, not a, he's not a kind person. And Yitzhak Avorka said, no, 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 no. If he was in it just for the money, he wouldn't have to, he didn't have to do it with a smile the way he does it. You can tell if someone's in it for the money or someone really cares. Okay, he has to make a living and he has to be able to keep himself in business. So he has to take money. But just because a person takes money for something doesn't mean you can't be a, 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 a good, a, a calling. You know, rabbis get paid, maybe not that much, but they get paid, right? Um, you know, so, and I am, I'll tell you a story that I remember I met a young girl who was getting more interested in Judaism. And she's like, you know what? It sounds great, but I'm not leaving my job. I can't sit and pray all day. And I said, guess what? Judaism doesn't ask you to pray all day. Judaism says, take what you're doing and give it a higher purpose. She had a service job. I said, you help people all day. So instead of just doing it because you're getting paid, think about it. I'm helping people all day. And that's a real, real thing. And we all do that. We all have those opportunities. Well, sometimes we have to do something. Well, sometimes you can have to do it. Listen, parents who don't take care of their kids, or go, they go to jail. So does that mean parents aren't kind? No. Right, just just because I have to do something, doesn't mean I can't infuse it with uh, with 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 lofty, elevated ideas. So just to quickly wrap up what 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 we what we went over today, we learned how we it's it's very helpful to enable us to love people if we realize that everyone's in the image of God and each and every human being is so special and so important, you can't help but love them. What's image of God? We're able to be able to be kind. That is what, that is what Im image of God means. Now being kind means thoughtful, understanding, smiling, be kind, say kind words. We learned that the salient feature of the human soul is that we can talk. And that is something which we have to keep at the elevated status and only use speech for things that uh, are, are, are of appropriate and, and 
and, and, and good nature. We learned from the Mamloes that the fact that Adam was sleeping when his wife was created, he just how we sometimes have to, to, to deal with other people. That we have to pretend like we're asleep and uh, you know, ignore things that might be annoying us. And we shouldn't fool ourselves and think, ah, oh, you know, we're such nice people because when we're not tested, we're able to be calm. Well, look what happens when you test yourself. And then you see what happens. We learned about the beauty of marriage, the beauty of marriage, that it's the connection of not just the physical, connection to the spiritual, of, of the spiritual and how it's, it's predicated on, on respect and kindness. We also learned that we see that from the fact that that how much I can I can impact you, how much I'm obligated to do kindness, not just to your physical self, to your spiritual self, to help you become a better person. And lastly, we said that that the great Hanoch was a lofty shoemaker. Why was he a lofty shoemaker? He he wanted to to help people through his shoes. And whatever we do, Whatever we spend our time doing, we have ways that we can either just do it because we have to, or we could do it because we want to try to help people as much as we can. So I want you to have a good Shabbos, a good first Parsha, and uh, hopefully we can, uh, we, we can become the greatest kindness, kind, kindest people we can ever find. Great Shabbos.